back to the Rad Dad Podcast. We are on episode 12. We got a uh, tag team episode here for you. Might be a triple threat match at some point. Our dear friend York is currently incapacitated. He might join at some point. Joe is here. They have returned from Augusta. And uh, look, we're coming to you a day late because they were having a good time. They were on vacation. They were enjoying their first trip to the Masters. So uh, let's let's just not waste any more time. Let's kick it off. Let's get to the recap. What was um what was the weekend like, and 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 how was Augusta National as a first timer? You know, it's it's funny because I think it's it's one of those things. You know, you 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 set a bar in your mind. And you kind of go, well, I can't, it can't surpass that, right? Like, it can't surpass what that bar is. I'm setting a pretty high standard here. And then you get out there and you go, no, it's, it's surpassing it. It's, this is, this is Disney World for, you know, adults and or golf fans. I mean, from, from the second you walk in, it is just, I mean, we're out there on a Monday. It's a Monday practice round. And the experience was as good, if not better, than any other golf tournament I've been to in my life. You know, and I, fortunately, I've been able to go. This gives me three of the four majors now. I've, I've got the PGA. I've got the U.S. Open and now this. And even for a practice round, uh, this might be the tops of it so far. Um, got out of there pretty unscathed. You know, it's it's nice with the the pricing out on the course and then the Merchandise tent didn't get me. Uh, didn't get me too bad. I'll, I'll say, you know, uh, definitely, uh, definitely a place where you don't pay attention to prices, and I think you can kind of get bit up a little bit, maybe uh, sometimes there. But no, just overall, I mean, you know, shout out to uh, shout out to Rachel. Actually, you know, that's uh, that's where we got uh, the tickets from this year. So definitely shout out to her. And uh, yeah, just overall, you know, ten out of ten, no notes. Um, just absolutely perfect weekend. That was so my first time was also it was basically the same weekend y'all did. Yeah. Got in on Friday and um played golf mm-hmm. and got out to the course Monday. You go to the pro shop. I mean, they pretty much do it perfect yeah. with you go in, I mean, your first stop. And now keep in mind for those that aren't familiar, you cannot take your phone in there into the course. Um, so you get into the gates, you walk to the pro shop, you go spend, you know, anywhere from a couple hundred to a couple thousand. And then my, my, the whole thing before we got there, I was worried. I was like, I'm going to buy a bunch of stuff and I'm going to have to get a backpack because I'm going to have to carry it around. No, not at all. (laughs) You buy whatever you want and then you check it. Like literally like the airport, like you just check all of your stuff and you can, um, I think we left our phones at the Airbnb, but you can take your phone and like, you can check everything, like your phone and everything, leave it. Um, is that still the case or is it not? No phones. I don't even know. Cause we, we did the same thing. We just left our phones, the Airbnb and, um, okay. yeah, just, uh, I did use the courtesy phone one time because I thought it was funny they were out there. So I, I had to call yeah. something from that, you know, but uh, yeah, no, those, we, are, uh, those are great. We checked, we checked, uh, checked the stuff. You, I mean, you could, I thought it was crazy. You could ship it for free. They shipped it for free. Yeah. For yeah. Whatever you want it. So you could have just shipped it if you wanted to. And you know, it's, it's, we're waiting for you, but no, we did this. We checked our stuff and then, you know, end of the day, you give them a ticket and somehow they get the thing in like two seconds for you. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's perfect. And then as soon as you get out and walk the grounds, the first thing that struck me was like, everything was just perfect, like pristine. Yeah. Like it was almost, it was almost, you don't want to touch anything. Yeah. You don't want to, yeah. you don't want to step in the pine straw and mess it up. Um, But just, uh, just so cool. Like it's one of those things where you, we went to New York for my birthday yeah. and I lived there for almost two years, never went to the Statue of Liberty, never went to Ellis Island. And we did it when we were there. And it was it was one of those things where you're on the ferry going out to it. And it's like, oh, I've only seen, you know, I've seen it in person because I live there, but you never yeah. were there. So it's like, 
this is what, you know, I see this stuff on TV all the time. I see it in movies and then you get to see it in person. Like that's what Augusta national is like, especially as a golf fan. I mean, it was funny too, because you constantly hear like on the broadcast, you know, that, you know, TV flattens out things and you really can't tell how steep this is or how contoured. And you're kind of, you're going to do my TV is pretty good. You know, I, I think I can probably tell. And then you get out there, especially because, you know, you're coming in, like, let's say you just walk over to 10 T and you're kind of looking down, you're going, oh, that's, that's a lot steeper than what I thought that was, you know, uh, coming yeah. up with team, you know, um, uh, you know, just some, some of the undulations and things like that. I'm sitting there going, I couldn't hit a shot off this. I don't think I would, I, I would struggle massively just to move the ball. I, think. I, it, so the big leaderboard, like the yeah. big massive one, that's like on the ground, not the one that's on the pole. That yeah. one's by 10, right? Yes. Yeah. So that, so that when was coming, when you're coming kind of down that row where like the, the pro shop was or the merchandise building yeah. was things like that. It's right there on your right. Yeah. So we stopped and like took a picture in front of that before we did anything. And then I remember looking down the fairway, I guess, is that down the fairway or is it, I guess, well, I guess it is. It's, I yeah, can't remember if the green's yeah. right there or not, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like a, almost a dead drop off. Yeah. No, it's, and it's that's nuts. I, I was watching, um, uh, Oh, uh, Oh, no laying up. They do the uh, office hours video series now. Yeah. And, um, Oh, what's the guy's name? It's uh, Michael Wolf. Um, he does oh, this uh, new Bama Bearcat, right? Yeah, yeah. He does this uh, office hours thing, and he's been doing deep dives into Augusta National. And he talked about they um, when they first got there and were you know wanting to build a golf course, they they thought that it was great because of the undulation and because of um, the time of the year that the tournament is the weather will be better because it's lower. Like Atlanta is higher elevation than Augusta. And so they're like, Oh, the winters will will, will be like, like that spring will be a lot milder than it would be in, um, or or the winters I should say. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a reason for like everything that, that, that is done there while the tournament's there. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really cool. Um, one of the other, I'll say a tradition. Um, I've only been once, but I feel like this is what you have to do when you go. But you guys partake in um, the Hooters experience. (laughs) Um, You know, I don't even remember if we knew John Daly was going to be there. When we went, we were just like, let's go to Hooters because we know the food will be decent. There's going to be a ton of TVs because we were wanting to watch the national championship game. And then... Lo and behold, we get there. John Daly's bus is in the parking lot. They got a big tent outside. He's up there doing karaoke. Um, and yeah, he was probably selling merch and doing a whole meet and greet, but we were just there later. Yeah. But you guys got to experience that. I mean, what was what was it like seeing uh seeing, you know, grip it and rip it in person and, and getting to it was funny, man. He actually was he was all business. Like, I mean, he was trying to make money when we saw him out there. I mean, it was almost kind of funny, like, you know, he's out there, you know, kind of, you know, what can I, what can I get for you? You want this one, this one, this one, take it down here. It's going to be 38 bucks. I was like, man, this is a different side of him. I don't know if, you know, maybe the betting has gone a little haywire lately or what, but uh, I mean, he was definitely pushing, pushing the merch uh, pretty hard. He got, uh, he got York, uh, I think York did the autographed hat and a t-shirt from him. Um, but it was also weird too, because he didn't have that bus out there. I know what bus you're talking about. Oh, he didn't. No, he was just set up like in the covered, um, like the covered patio area. So okay. I don't know if he kind of cut some new deal with them or what, but yeah, I was expecting to see that big old bus he has parked out there sometimes. Yeah. And at least, you know, the couple times we went over there, he didn't have it out quite yet, but um, no, pretty cool being at the being at the Hooters for the uh, for the semifinal games um, was uh, was a pretty good experience. Was um, was Junior there? No, no, he wasn't there. That I saw, he could have he he might be down there with them, but he wasn't there. When we were there. And it's funny because you said he was he was all business. He was pushing merch, but like I feel like he doesn't have to try very hard. I mean, he's pretty I mean, universally loved. That's my thing. Like, 
I almost kind of wanted to go like, dude, just relax, have a beer, you know, just <laughs> kind of chill. Oh, oh, I'm sure you have beers. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's not like a it's not like a house divided thing like Phil or Bubba or, no. you know, Dustin Johnson to some people like it's not like some people love him. Some people hate him. Like I, I, I've i never met anyone that doesn't like John Daly. So, no, like, no, I feel like he's got to just be in heaven there. I mean, he's he's, he's got a deal he is, he is in his element. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's already got a deal with Hooters like that's probably his biggest sponsor next to his golf brands. Yeah. And you know that they treat him right. I mean, he probably doesn't pay for anything while he's there. No. They don't care how long he's there, how long he stays, how much no. you know stuff he sells. Um, because it's free advertising for them. Um, yeah, funny. I mean, he's he used to do uh he used to do a tournament at Cherokee uh every year. And I mean, just he played in it, but as much as he played he would just drive around and make sure like he touched base with like every group, you know, really like made it like an experience for the guys. And while I didn't love the tournament because we would have to like get down to, he used to have that bar and grill and all the branch. We have to go down there mm-hmm. and recover golf carts all the time. But just overall, I mean, the guy, the guy knew kind of, Hey, I can, I can make this an experience for people and yeah. did a good job at it. And I felt like that's what he was kind of doing. You know, the couple of days we saw him out there is like, dude, like, how many of the same jokes does he hear? How many of the same things does he hear constantly? But he had a smile on his face and was willing to take a picture and, you know, fist bump you, shake your hand, this and that. Just he, he, he knows how to work. Um, I guess last couple things before we move on. Who'd y'all follow on Monday? And um, what was the uh, what was the selection on the menu? Food and drink. So following wise, we ended up getting, I would say we, we bounced around a good amount. Um, but the group that we probably saw the most was uh, Kisner, DJ, Gary Woodland, and Brian Harmon. Um, we ran to them a couple times, including one of the coolest things was we got um, on 16, we ended up getting up against the ropes, almost like where Michael Phelps was for tiger, like right behind there. Mm-hmm. And they had the T boxes pushed all the way back. So you're like five feet away from them when they're teeing off and seeing that group come through and just the sound that, you know, DJ's golf ball makes when he's compressing it, you know, was awesome. But we saw those three, we stayed at that spot for a little while. We saw VJ come through cam, uh, cam Smith coming or cam young going through, um, VJ, by the way, playing in Hocus. Thought that was kind of wild. Spike, just like the trail running Hocus. Not golf spikes? Not golf spikes. Weirdest, weirdest. I was like, oh, he must have like gotten one of the kits and like converted them or something. And he's sitting there and he, you know, he crosses his legs and puts his foot up. I was like, nope, those are just straight trail runners. That's all those are. So true, that, truly not giving a fuck during the practice no. rounds. So that was that was one of the funniest things seeing. Uh Saw more better, better, better be careful going down the stairs and those trail runners though. Dude, telling you. But <laughs> uh Morikawa, we saw kind of from that same spot on 16. Uh Shoffley and Hovland. We were on uh we were left side of six green, and they had the pin on like three from the left. So got to see them kind of mess around on six green a lot, which was fun. But Overall, bounced around pretty good. Didn't see Tiger. He was all he played the back nine. Um, we kind of went in the opposite direction when we got there, and then he was done pretty early. So we didn't see him. But other than that, kind of saw a good amount of folks. Menu wise, I got yeah, I might have well, got everything. Real quick, you've seen the cat in person though already, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him at that okay. page and then uh saw him at uh, Bell Reef. When he was oh, okay, so yeah, you've you've done that. Well, we got lucky too because when he when we were in Virginia, he was hosting the tournament. So oh, he hosted okay. that tournament in the DC area. So we were lucky enough to be able to go out. And of course, he he always played that one to host. So we got lucky there too. Um, yeah. Menu wise, I might have tried one of everything. I got uh, I got pimento. I got egg salad. I got the barbecue sandwich. Um, a lot of <laughs> a lot of alcoholic beverages. Um, you know, shout out Crow's Nest. Uh, 
which is just Blue Moon, apparently. But uh, Crow's Nest yeah. was delicious. So uh, that was another weird thing about out there. I, I, I don't consciously realize how many corporate logos and sponsors are at a typical sporting event. But then when you're out there and you don't see any, none, it's noticeable. It's like, man, that's weird. Like I'm, I don't see, you know, a Bud, you know, a Budweiser bow tie or a, you know, a Mercedes Benz logo because they're sponsoring or anything. It was almost it's it crazy. took me a second to to realize it. But I kind of looked at JT at one point. I was like, dude, it's kind of weird. There's like no, there's no intrusion of anything outside of the golf tournament, mm-hmm. which was wild. But yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I mean everything there is like it's as pure as it was. Yeah, back in the early 1900s, like it's well, wild. And and what's crazy is, you know, kind of tying into the food angle there is, you know, this place gets used for now eight days a year, so final round of Anwa, and then seven days to the Masters, and you never see it on television. So you just don't know like how much infrastructure is built in for something that's only used for eight days a year. And Mm -hmm. there are no temporary structures. Like there are no, there's no like tents out there or anything. It's everything is a built permanent structure. So your concession stands are just gigantic pavilions that are so well hidden and well-placed. You never see them on TV. Um, Porta potties are not a thing. <laughs> you know, the, you don't, you don't got to go find yeah. you know, the, the, the porta potty and, and, and use that. It's, you know, bathrooms that have more staff than like a Walmart. Um, that was another kind of incredible thing to me is just looking around going, man, this is, this is crazy. Like you eight days a year and it's just, it's perfect. It's perfect. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta give it to them, man. The millions of dollars they they spend it well. Yeah, I um, I don't know if I'll ever get the opportunity, um, but my father in law is like, I can't remember if he's really if, if it's like a childhood friend or if it's just somebody that he's met, and they're still good friends to this day. I can't remember yeah. the connection. But it's either like the head groundskeeper or somebody that's like in the barn that has been there forever. But like he can still go and play, you know, in the off season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm waiting for that opportunity. Maybe, maybe for maybe for the big four zero, I'll ask him. But um, well, it's it's funny. I was thinking about that. I was actually talking to my wife about it a little bit earlier. She was like, you know what? what honestly do you think you would shoot out there? And I was like, you know, to tell you the truth, I think if you went and played it, you, you would be so amped up. Mm -hmm. There's no way you could play well. There there just isn't like, I don't have that much control over my emotions and over like, you know, my body. I just don't have that control. Like I think it would be whole 13 before you said, Oh God, yeah, calm down. I breathe, breathe. I I think it would just be tough almost to play it. And you the know, course I, is a court, the course is insanely tough too. Like yeah, know, they, they make it look easy, you know, but it, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I I a lot of golfers talk about how well Bryson liked to say that you know he could bully it, but we know he can't. Yeah. But I, I think it was Scheffler that said like he loves Augusta or no, 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 it was John Rom because yeah. he was like, you can play it so many different ways. And you know, like they're professionals. So I'm yeah. not comparing myself to John Rom or saying, Oh, I can do what John Rom does. But you know, he's like, there are so many different ways to attack it. Yeah. And I feel like that's why there's always, you know, with the exception of a couple guys that are just all time greats. I feel like that's why the, va- the variance for who wins it is so yeah. great because yeah. It plays to different people's strengths and, you know, you're a much more technical golfer, you know, you have more knowledge of the game than I do, but I feel like, I mean, you obviously have to hit fairways, but it's, it's like a big iron course where like you have, like, it's a, is it, 
Am I talking out of turn to say it's a big second shot golf course? No, because the 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 greens are so complex that you have to you you have to know where to miss that second shot. Like there are areas that if you hit it to and the ball, you know, comes off the false front or gets a hard kick, that mm-hmm. you're you're dead. You, I don't care how good of a short game, but you, you're dead. And that was kind of the thing, you know, JT mentioned it because it was um, Cam Young was playing with VJ Singh. And it's like, you know, are they buddies? But it's like, no, man, like a young guy like that playing with VJ who's won there can sit there and just pick his brain the entire time, you know, and, and gain some of that knowledge that, I mean, <laughs> the, you could just tell by looking at it that it's no bullshit that when the guys say, Hey, you know, this is not a first timer's course. I think, I think yeah. one first timers, I think fuzzy Zeller was the only first timer to ever win. You know, you've got to yeah. have the experience. You got to know you, you just have to. Well, and yeah, like I think, well, we saw it in what 2019 when tiger won it. Yeah. I mean, not his best game by no. any means, not no. body was not a hundred percent. No, but like just the knowledge of the course mm-hmm. and then his irons were just dialed in the whole weekend. And he, well, the thing, he, you know, that knowledge is just a comfort, you know, Molinari, you know, should have won that tournament. You know, he really should have, but you know, Tiger doesn't worry about 12. He doesn't worry about race yeah. 13. He just, it, it, he doesn't have to, you know, and that's such a clear advantage. Yeah. I mean, and, and, Spieth. I mean, when Spieth dunked two on 12, that one, yeah. Year, you know, that was the year Willett one. It's like, you know, that was, that was the moment of the one of us, one of us. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably go out there and I'd definitely be in the 90s without a doubt. Yeah. Even on like my best day because I'm not, you know, I, you know, I'm not a great golfer. I don't play. I don't have. A, I'm not long off the tee. But yeah, I mean, you could still, you can hit a great second or third shot and just yeah. be on the wrong tier or in the wrong landing spot and either roll off the green or you set yourself up for a three putt. Well, that was the thing on six with uh, Shoffley. He, I mean, he he hit an iron shot that was. I mean, it had to have been a mistake. It was so good. I mean, he wouldn't have aimed for where the ball ended up at. Um, yeah. So he has like a three, three, three or four foot putt, and he aims at about a foot. I would say he aims at twelve to sixteen inches left, and the ball broke in front of the hole. And it's like I've never had a putt like that in my life. Like I've never, the courses I play on don't have that type of grade to them. Like mm-hmm. you know, I would look at that putt and probably say, ah, you know, two balls outside left, and put it off the fucking green, like. That is, yeah, it, it was wild. It really was. Yeah, I remember, like, and this was very early on in my journey as a golfer. Like, I didn't start playing golf, like, full-time, had my own clubs, going to play until 2016. Yeah. And so that was two years in, and I was, you know, hadn't broken. I don't even think I'd broken, like, 95 at that point. Yeah. But still, like, just the presence of being there and just being inside the gates, even if you're not a huge golfer, like, you just kind of organically, like, get why it's such a big deal. Yeah. And, dude, I used to go in a, in a past life when I worked in healthcare. I went down there a couple times. And, dude, when you go drive around the grounds, I mean, dude, it is a fortress. Yeah. I mean, you can't see in, there is no like, Oh, I'm going to go peek through the gates and like see the clubhouse. Like, no, like there's nothing like it is complete lockdown. If you don't, if you don't have a green jacket or, you know, that, that patch on, you know, a blazer with the, uh, with the outline of the United States of America with, uh, with, a <laughs> with a flag coming out of it, you're not getting in. Yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, it's cool though. It's, um, I got. I want to go back. I don't know if I'll ever get to go to like the actual tournament, but yeah. I still think that's fine. No, the practice round's cool because you're 
what I thought was cool about the practice round is they they practice those memorable shots that you see through the years because the memorable shots are made because a guy put it in the wrong spot and then he made the miraculous shot and that's what they're practicing they're, they're you know they're chipping up from the front of six you know they're um, putting it in a weird spot on 13 you know that so you get to see you know the guaranteed like kind of cool shots on a practice round. Yeah, Whereas yeah. you go out there for a tournament, and I mean, heck, you know, you know it's you, know, you don't know what you're going to see. Yeah, probably also a lot more layups. Yes, yes. Um, that, that new that new T on thirteen is way back there. Like that thing is way back. And that dude, can you imagine hitting a tee shot from like? <sighs> I mean that, and then seeing the the shoot that you have to hit it through on 18. Yeah. That is not a wide, that is not a wide swath at all. Like you, you gotta be pretty pinpoint from where their team is up at. And like you said, I mean, the undulation of 18 fairway, I mean, you gotta be precise. You gotta be able to compress the golf ball because it is a long fairway that is uphill. Yes. And that's such a mind fuck when you're playing golf and you're hitting uphill. Yeah. So like if you if you're just an average golfer, that's just going to be a really tough hole. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's tough for those guys and they play professionally. So yeah. Um. Last thing here before we move on, a little trivia time. I was watching uh, another shout out to Mr. Wolf and uh, Office Hours and the crew at No Laying Up. He did a little little trivia time about the par three competition. Ooh. Can you name the only two uh, living members or living winners of the par three competition? I feel like one is pretty obvious. So they won. So out of all the people that have won the par three competition, there are only two that are alive. That won the par three and won a master's also. E- that yeah yeah okay sorry that's it yeah so yeah, I randomly think Gary Player won the par three one year is that that's right that's one yeah that's one okay I don't know why I remember that one um I said he was the obvious one because he's old as hell and still plays <laughs> um damn. <laughs> Tom Watson do it? No. That's a good guess. Sam Sneed. Oh, shit. There you go. All right. Here's a couple more. So the only three-time winner. Do you know who that is? Three-time winner. And he is still alive. Is it, is it anybody recent? Is it anybody that's done it the past 10 years? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay. Maybe not 10 years, but it's recent. Like, he's not that old. Three times. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> and there's I'm so many say, golfers, gonna, so this is hard. I was, I was going to say, I'm going to say, uh, my best guess would be, I know it's wrong. My best guess would be Frank Couples, but I know it's wrong. It is... Padridge Harrington. Really? Three-time winner. Damn. Sandy Lyle went back-to-back. <laughs> Tom Watson has won it twice. Okay, okay. And there was a 36-year gap. He won in 82 and then won in 2018. Yeah, I remember that he, I remember that he had won it fairly recently. I do remember that. Um, the... Only amateur to win it, Jay Haas. And then Jimmy Walker. Jimmy Walker has the course record. Shot a 19. Jesus Christ. So, um, pretty wild. Pretty cool, though. They still do it. I mean, at 19, I know I went to Mississippi schools. So my math's not the, uh, not the best, but it's a nine-hole par three course. So, that's eight. Eight birdies and a hole in one. 
Let me let me look it up. I can pull right? this because if you barred every, so if you birdied everything, you'd shoot eighteen. So he so he made eight birdies. That's what it is. He made eight birdies. Yeah, he was eight under. That's sick. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he had a hole in one on two. <laughs> Do they have a? They don't have a scorecard. Um, That's insane. Good lord. Yeah, six birdies and a hole in one. Good God. Um, Which that Gary, was you see in the ticket prices for Wednesday. Wednesday is the highest ticket prices of the week. And that's part that's three? That's part three day. Okay. Yeah. So Gary I, Player. I was on Vivid Seats, yeah. Gary Player had a hole in one that year. <laughs> it was his, it was uh, Walker's playing partner. Or I guess he was in his group. He had an, uh, the 80-year-old, it was, uh, so this is 2016. So Gary Player was 80. It was his 31st hole in one. I just want one. That's all I mean. Uh, yeah, on, it's never had he's, one. He's hogging everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, just I mean, come on, unreal. Um, all right, so let's move on. Um, this is like it's going to be a sports heavy podcast. All right, let's just go ahead and get that out of there because we got it's Masters week, and then we just wrapped up the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, the game. I thought UConn would win. I figured it would be much closer than it was, but man, San Diego State had a couple scoring droughts that just doomed them. I mean, I think they missed 14 straight shots at one point. Yeah. And you think if it didn't get to, you know, if they had just gone maybe nine or 10 straight misses, that that one point late in the second quarter, I think, the second half, I think it was maybe like eight minutes left, seven minutes left, and they cut it to five. Yeah, when it got down close again, yeah. If you don't go scoreless for that long, maybe you get you cut it to two or maybe it's a tie game. Yeah. But that just kind of doomed them. And then, man, just, UConn was just too good. No, I mean, I mean you, you caught the entire tournament. I mean, good Lord. Like. Yeah, so they beat all six. All six wins in the NCAA tournament were by 13 or more points. And then five of the six wins were by 15 or more. Jesus. Their last four opponents, so help me out. San Diego State. Um, Miami. Miami, Gonzaga, Gonzaga. And Arkansas. Then, yeah. They held, held them all to less than 35% from the field. Um, I mean, that's like, that's like, a, like when UNLV – won the tournament that one year where they beat, they won the final like 30, like. Oh, they embarrassed, dude. Yeah. Like, good Lord. Which, great segue. Um, Where's my phone? I took some, a couple screenshots while I was watching uh, the Ion College Basketball podcast, and they had a bunch of good trivia. Um, So, UConn, Preseason unranked, won the national title. The last team to do that, UConn, 2011. <laughs> Before that, Florida in 06, they were unranked. Ooh. That was the first of two, and they went back-to-back. Yeah. Syracuse in 03 with Carmelo, they were unranked. And then 85 Villanova was unranked. That 66 Texas Western. Oh. And yeah. then 64 UCLA. Um. <laughs> So now, uh, <laughs> how the hell was Syracuse not preseason ranked that year? I, I, I mean, you know, Carmelo was a freshman, so nobody knew how good he'd be. And I mean, they had a de- they had a decent team. I mean, what they yeah. Akeem Warwick. Honestly, I think it's weird that UConn wasn't ranked this year preseason wise. Dude, I mean, that's what's so fu- that's what's so crazy is like they didn't even win the Big East. Yeah, like, they lost to uh, Xavier twice. Mm-hmm. And that um, stretch in the middle of the year, if you. If you look at their beginning of the year and the end of the year, it's like almost obvious. It's like, well, yeah, duh, this team's going to win the national championship. But they have that like stretch in like December and January mm-hmm. where they were kind of pedestrian for a sec. Yeah, and then I don't know what the hell happened? But it was it, it was weird. And they finished the year on a twelve and one run. Yeah, um, this was a funny stat. 
Uh, so most combined men's and women's titles. Oh, yeah. No shock there. UConn leads the way. Yeah. Uh, so now the men's team has five. So Gino, we, I think we talked about this on a podcast with how dominant they've been. Or maybe we yeah. just talked about it in a text, but they have 11 total. Gino has 11. <clears throat> so they have 16. And then after that, <laughs> UCLA, men's and women's combined, they have 11. Um, yeah. If you're keeping score at home, it's all men's. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky's in third. They have eight. All men's. Tennessee has eight. All women. Women's. <laughs> and then North Carolina's in fourth with seven. So six of those are men's. Yeah. Um, so that's since uh, 1995. Um, this one was pretty cool. So a double-double in the Elite Eight, National Semis, and National Title, and they won. Sonogo was the first since Carmelo in 2003. So the first in 20 years to have, an elite, uh, have a double-double in the Elite Eight, Semis, National Title, and win. No, he was, yeah, he was utterly dominant. Which was crazy because I remember hearing a bunch of people all throughout the year talking about how college basketball has changed where it's like you can't run an offense through a big man anymore. It's yeah. all wings and guards. And then UConn goes and wins the national title with a dominant big man. Do you think, though, that that could switch? Because I feel like that classic center isn't as valued in the NBA anymore. But that guy can now make NIL money. And it's like... Good point. It's like that guy... like It's like Armando Baycott. He's coming back to UNC again next year. And yeah. it's like... So are those guys going to become like college legends? That like just Drew Timmy. Yeah, they know, well, I'm probably not going to be set in the NBA, but I can stay in school for another two years and make a few million dollars now. I mean, Angel Reese uh, said that today. The, yeah. the LSU... Um, forward that they just want it all. She was like, you know, I'm not thinking about the WNBA right now. Like I'm already making more money than some of them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, this was crazy. So UConn in the tournament, they trailed for just over 10 minutes against Iona. They trailed for 15 and a half minutes against St. Mary. After that, never trailed against Arkansas. Trailed for 47 seconds against Gonzaga. <laughs> Never trailed against Miami and trailed for four and a half minutes against San Diego State. Jesus. So they just utterly dominated. Um, now, you mentioned it already. Last uh, tidbit here. Um, mid-major programs in the last 30 years. All lost. Utah in 98 lost. Memphis in 08 lost. Yeah. Butler back to back years lost in 2010, yeah. 2011. Gonzaga in 17 and 21. And then now San Diego State, the last mid major to win it all. UNLV, 1990. Yeah. Crazy Jesus. how, I mean, I guess I just, and then another segue here into how Blue Bloods and, and big name programs kind of dominate that sport. Yeah. We have to stop with this thing that UConn's not a blue blood. Like they I mean, absolutely it's, are. It's just it just weirds people out the fact that they weren't winning like in like the sixties. I mean, you know, why does it matter? It's it's just funny people people act like if you weren't playing against the John Wooden UCLA teams, you're you're <laughs> this new this new school and. You know, UConn's been playing basketball for a while, folks. Like, you know, they might have only gotten over the hump in the last, what, 25 years uh, yeah. national title-wise. But you know what? They've called up pretty damn quick. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, look, like they recruit nationally. Mm -hmm. They've done it with three different head coaches. Yep. And they send players to the NBA. So, I mean, I don't know what, what other criteria you need. I mean, they have – they now have the most national titles since 99. Yeah. That's more than Duke, more than North Carolina, more than Florida, Kansas, Villanova, Kentucky, yeah. all of them. They have five now. It's, I mean, it's, you know, Jim Calhoun. Because, like, randomly, Kansas doesn't have a ton of national titles, right? How many do they have? Like three? Uh, 
or maybe the last, maybe, you, you know what, maybe, it might have been their fourth one last year. So pre-tournament, they won in 22 and 23, <laughs> which, whatever. They have four NCAA championships. Okay, okay. So 52, then obviously 88 with Danny Manning. Yeah. And then 08 against Memphis, and then last yeah. year they won it. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's I'm literally wearing the shirt. <laughs> and, you know, their build is, you know, Naismith Court. And, like, that's where the game was invented. But, like, even they don't have as many as UConn. No, no, that's why. And Bill Self is probably the best in-game coach in the game right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, Norlander put this out. For the fifth time in 25 seasons, UConn won the national championship. They won every game against non-conference opponents this year by double digits and by an average of 24-plus points. That's insane. I mean, arguably one of the more dominant title runs. Honestly, probably since that UNLV team just beat the absolute shit out of everybody. Yeah. No, I was trying to kind of think, like, yeah, I – did I can come off the top of my head? No, there just hasn't been a thing like that. I mean, listen to this. If we're getting into the blue, I know you're not arguing it, but other people are. If you want a blue blood, you want to check a box here. 13 of the last 16 national champions have been top two seeds. The exceptions, 2011 UConn, yeah. 2014 UConn, and 2023 UConn. I mean, that's all, but... <laughs> They know how to turn it on, you know, dude. Yeah. I mean, I saw a bunch of tweets that were like, you know, right. Like, like college players, coaches, you know, media pundits were like, LOL, a four seed. Like now I know like they got hot at the right time and all of that. Because on like on Ken Palm and stuff, they would have, their, their seeding didn't match their metrics necessarily. Right. Yeah, I mean, never, honestly, they like they fell down a ways in like Torvik or on Ken Palm, they were always like a top 17. Yeah, and I mean, there's always, you know, bad seeding in yeah. every turn. I mean, FAU had no business being a nine. No, no. Um, which I guess you as a Memphis fan would have appreciated them being something I, else. Me, I, both those teams were misseeded. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's just crazy that people want to keep doing this. Like, well, they're they're just not there yet. Like, no, they're 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 fucking there. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I mean, the it's... fact that they're doing this in stores, Connecticut, which I've never been, but I've I've seen pictures, and <laughs> you know what? Props to you. <laughs> y'all y'all been able to build that shit in stores, Connecticut. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah, you did. I know I know someone that's from there, and. He put it simply as there's a reason I went to Ole Miss. <laughs> Cause he was like, I'm not going there. And he, you know, he kind of said it like, you know, there's a reason why those students party so hard. Cause there's literally nothing else to do there. I mean, there, there um, is like, it's look it up on a map. Like it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Cause the, the football stadiums not on campus, it's further out. Isn't it? They, <sighs> um, where is the stadium is it's closer to like um Rentschler Field at Pratt and Whitney Stadium. There you go. It's in East Hartford. I was gonna say, I think it's in Hartford. Pratt and Whitney, shout out to uh you know, jet engines and shit. <laughs> the house that Dan Orlovsky built. <laughs> Which, yeah, Pratt and Whitney, uh, I, I do actually know a real-life rocket scientist. Oh, shit. Yeah. Kristen, I know you're listening. Shout out to you. Keep doing big things. That's, you know, that's just Purdue engineering right there, baby. That's, you know what? All they do is produce astronauts and engineers. Which it wouldn't be, we, we wouldn't be wrapping up the NCAA tournament if we didn't mention Purdue dropping the ball again. <laughs> um, all right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I Cool for Danny Hurley to do it. You know, his brother won it twice at Duke as a legend. His dad's a legendary coach. Um, I mean, pretty cool that everybody was there to see it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Jim Nance, I don't know if you – did y'all get to watch the game or hear it? I we, we were watching it, but it was at a bar, so we couldn't hear it. But I okay. know he did 
his like sign off and everything and all that stuff. Right. He did the, uh, he did the Mr. Rogers at the end because like, like Bill Raftery and Grant Hill kept trying to give him like, you know, an alley-oop to like do it. Yeah. But Jim being the consummate professional was like, I'm not taking anything away from UConn's moment here. Yeah. And he waited until the very end and he did like, you know, Hey, like I appreciate it. You know, everybody at CBS, yada, yada. And at the end, he's like, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to tell everybody, thank you for being my friend. And it was just like, oh, like Mr. Rogers. Like and, and then he went and gave his tie to some kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was like somebody had a screen cap of like the credits at the end. And it's like Vineyard Vines by Jim Nance. <laughs> like, what a flex. Um, but yeah, I mean, just sheer dominance. They, um, let me do a quick, uh, well, that's why Houston screwed him because he's a Houston alum and they yeah. should have. <laughs> Come on, guys, do it for Jim. Yeah, I mean, that that was like the whole story was like, yeah. you, you know, the Cougars are like the runaway favorite to win it. Um, well, if you if you don't like the Huskies or you're not a fan of, of Danny Hurley and you don't like them winning, they're well, tough shit because... Yeah. Their 2023 signing class, they've got Steven Castle, who's the number nine overall player in the country. They've got Solomon Ball, who's the 51st overall player. Jalen Stewart is a top 100 player. Jaden Ross is the 102nd overall player. So they're they're loaded up. they got a top 10 uh, signing class. So Hurley and them are going to be just fine. Um, so, yeah, good for, good for them. Look, honestly, like – I don't know about you, but when I watch sports where like I don't have a dog in the fight, I'll kind of naturally gravitate to one side. Yeah. And we'll cheer against somebody or like, all right, I, I gotta find something that I don't like about one of these teams. Right. Yeah. So I can like, you know, I can I can pick a side. I I was cool with whoever won. Like San Diego State, the story was cool. I was glad that Steve Fisher and uh, his son were there to oh, yeah. Yeah. experience the final four because you know, uh Steve's son, I cannot remember his first name. He's battling ALS. Um, So that was cool that like they were there. And I think Brian Dutcher, you know, he kind of said it in the post game, you know, he said it without saying it where he was like, you know, we're perfectly fine with where we are. And, you know, they were just the better team tonight, but I mean, look, they were going to have to play a perfect game to beat UConn and UConn is going to have to have an off night. No, and that's, it's it's funny because I I don't like Hurley because of his time in the American and like him beating his ass, <laughs> but I wasn't I wasn't like angry or anything that they won. There yeah. there have been championships in the past where I'm like, God dang it! Like what? Why them? Why why do they get this? You know, I, yeah, I didn't feel that way for him. Plus, he finally gets to like have a little something like on his dad and his brother for the first time in his life, probably. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. I mean, he was you know, like, finally got to, finally got to, you know, hey, look at me about something. Dad's um, in the Hall of Fame. Brothers, I don't know if his brothers in the Hall of Fame, but he might be. <laughs> Poor Danny. He's just he was just trying to make it, man. Just trying to make it. Um, yeah, only fifty, and crazy to think that up until he was at Rhode Island, right? Yeah, he was at Rhode Island, took them right. to back-to-back tournaments, and yeah. then got the gig at UConn. But before he was at Rhode Island, he was at Wagner for a couple yeah. years. But before that, he was at St. Benedict's Prep. Heck yeah. Which is a uh, you know a college prep school in Newark. I was going to say there for Northeast, like prep schools, factories. He was there for nine years. Like he always tells, you know, he, he said that a bunch in interviews. He was like, man, I was a, you know, 13 years ago, I was a high school coach. <laughs> So pretty wild, but cool, uh, cool, cool to see. And, you know, it was, it was a great tournament. I mean, there were some blowouts here and there, but honestly, like a lot of the games were tons of fun. No, there were, there were. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Well, yeah. And we finally got a buzzer beater too. Cause the, cause yeah. the final game. Yeah. I was like, man, there wasn't a buzzer beater. I was like, no, no, no. We finally got one. We, we got one. Which shout out to, uh, to JT and Cleve who both, uh, took that boost at the beginning of the tournament. And then they were like, oh. they were like, Oh, where all this money come from in my account? They're like, Oh, the buzzer beater. Yeah. 
That finally um, hit. Yeah, so cool. Um, yeah, great tournament. Uh, I don't know about you. Turned, I mean, you were at the bar. Turned it off before one shining moment came on. Don't want to watch that. Don't care. Um, <laughs> I watched it the next morning, and I got to see the the Memphis highlight they put on there was uh, McCadden getting the shot blocked at the end of the game. I was like, that's wow. awesome, guys. Thank Thanks. You. Yeah, appreciate you. Really appreciate that one, buddies. All right, um, let's let's rewind a tad because the next uh, topic here on the docket I wanted to talk about. Y'all were at the sports bar mm-hmm. watching a live sporting event. What's kind of your criteria, your kind of game plan when you know you're going to go to a public place to watch? So let's do let's do two different two different scenarios here. Let's do what's your go to bar setup for when you're watching a game of a team that you're a fan of and then what's yeah. your strategy when you're just going just to enjoy a sporting event that's on TV so typically if if I am a fan of a team I will typically try to go to like that bar you know I want to be surrounded by other fans so like if I like I went out to the deli to watch the Memphis uh versus Houston American championship game. You know, I want to be, I don't want to have the argument. I just don't. I, I want to be surrounded by like-minded people. I want it to be a good atmosphere Why everybody is focused in on my game. Uh, that, yeah. That's the way I enjoy that. Um, now in saying that with me being a Cleveland Browns fan, you know, it's tough because there's not a lot of us, especially in this area. So that's one to where I'm a little bit more open to where I go you know, as long as I have a Sunday ticket and I can watch the game. And it's funny, being a Browns fan, I really don't offend anybody. Like, we don't really beat people um, historically in the past, you know, 50 years. Um, so, you know, you can have that conversation. It's a little more lighthearted. I don't have anybody, you know, yelling at me for being a Browns fan. So it's a little bit a little bit easier. <laughs> a, little, a little bit easier on me uh, than I think it could be for some folks and, and some right. fans' teams. Um if it's like the national championship game, a, I would typically prefer it to be like what we did this year. Like we were at a just a, a packed ball, you know, and the focus is in on this. And truthfully, nobody really has a rooting interest. There aren't a ton of SDSU fans in, you know, Augusta, Georgia, and there weren't a ton of UConn fans there either. So, you know, it's kind of that communal experience of just you can talk to the people on your left, you can talk to people on your right, and you just kind of have, you know, that that commonality of the game, and, and you can just kind of have a good time with folks, you know. That's yeah, what yeah. I prefer for those. Yeah, you know, I kind of – for a team that I am cheering for – now, I'll say this. Now, it's college football specific. Yeah. I'm not a big bar guy. Yeah. Like I would rather be at home in my in my own element because I I'm fine with watching it with like minded individuals who I know are going to watch the game, consume it the right way. They're not going to want to talk about bullshit on a third down, you know, in the third quarter, you know, that kind of stuff. But if it's yeah, if it's a if it's if I'm a completely neutral fan, yeah. I'm just all about getting somewhere where I can be at a table. Yep. And we got easy access to cold domestics. Yep. And we got some decent apps to just kind of hold us over while we drink. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think the only time that I was ever like a big bar person for my team was when we lived in New York and it's, it's no longer there, but we would go to the wharf and they gave us the whole back deck. It was all the alumni association rented out. Oh and, yeah, and I mean they had great wings, great like potato skins, cheese fries, mott sticks, and then they had three dollar Blue Moon draft. <laughs> and I mean, so this is you know in Manhattan. This is in Murray Hill. So man, you get nice and loaded, and then you just hop on the train and you go home. I'd say just deleting Blue Moons. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And then, you know, depending on the week, we would divide it up to where we'd pick, you know, my wife's a South Carolina alum. So we'd go to the South Carolina bar that was just around the corner. 
Yeah. So we'd pick like, all right, which one do we want to be there for the first half? Which we want to be there for the second half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, normally I'm just not a big bar guy for teams that I cheer for. Yeah. Maybe that's a, maybe that's my problem. Maybe I'm way too intense, but I, you know. Well, hey, it's I, tough too, because like being a fan of like a, like you're a fan of a school in the SEC, like people are just going to automatically like talk shit to you. Like they're just, yeah. you're going to have the random like big 10 fan that comes up to you that like bitches about something like. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to do more that shit. Yeah, and you add into the fact that I'm technically working <laughs> exactly. while I'm doing it, so <laughs> that's another factor. But yeah, I mean, but again, like if it's just a neutral, if it's a neutral site event, yeah, just cold beer and give me some good, some good finger food, and, and I'm Gucci. Yeah, um, random thing here on the docket. I thought about this the other day because there's all these crazy storms everywhere. Yes. Good Lord. Have you ever heard anyone ever talk about how much they like wind? No. And I've, I've been in the golf industry my whole life. I hate wind. Like no one's ever like, Oh man, we really needed that wind. No. We really needed those 80 mile an hour gusts this week. <laughs> like it's the fucking worst. No, it, it, it 100% like, it can give us some energy, I guess, which is which is good. But other than that, yeah, horrible. Yeah, I mean, like no one's ever like, ah, let's just go outside and enjoy this wind. Yeah, there's um, there's nothing worse though, too, because like those are the days where the golf course will just be automatically slower, and it's like you just you know when I when I get into the pro shop and I see that flag leaning. On nine, I'm like, man, my marshal's got to be on it today. We got to, yeah. got to get this play moving. <laughs> this, this yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then when you like add in the fact of like you have kids and you've got like oh, shit all in your backyard, to where like, man, I got to go out like you know, I got to be you know in the basement in my office working, and then it's like, all right, I got to go up here in a couple hours and go pick up all the shit. <laughs> the swing sets knocked over. I got to put that back on the ground. You've got all these random toys everywhere. Um, dude, it, it was bad enough here. You got a, you know, a TV mounted on the back patio. Yeah. I mean, I had to get, I had to get a, a damn wrench out and tighten up those, those bolts. Cause I mean, that thing was like coming off of the wall. No, that I don't, I don't know what it is. You've got, apparently there's some more stuff that's going to move through tomorrow. Dude, and- it's a, it's so annoying. What what makes it worse now is there's always been a tornado siren like at the top of the cove that we live off of. And for years it was just a tornado siren, which is annoying, but okay. Now it's this talking thing. Oh god. So it's you like wake up to the sound of like God going there is a tornado warning in your area please take cover it's the most terrifying thing in the world if you're kind of like disoriented yeah and it's not like morgan freeman saying it no it's it's like it's the airport guy the same yeah. guy that does every airport it's it's him I, i'm 100 sure it's him yeah i mean look it, this is a dad podcast you're i mean you probably already say it but you're gonna say it even more here in the <laughs> next couple months but you know Man, we really needed that rain. Really, really needed that 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 pre-emergence to get some juice. Or like, man, the the flower beds, man, we needed it. It was dry. Yeah, you say that a lot. <laughs> no one's ever like, man, we so glad we got that fucking wind. It's the worst. <laughs> All right. Um. Last thing here before we head out, I, I do want to talk to you about this as a car guy. Okay. As a uh, as the as the fellow podcast grease monkey, so I had the driver's seat in the Subaru. The leather had ripped. Oh shit! From just like where you get you know where your where your butt hits every day when you get in it. Yeah. And so I was like, I got to get this fixed before it gets worse. And uh, found this local company, Nashville Upholstery. Shout out to them. Um, did a fantastic job. Replaced the whole piece of leather. Looks brand new. Looks phenomenal. Nice. Highly recommend them. Great work. Um, while they were doing it, though, like moving the seat back and forth, 
um, the SRS airbag system, the connectors, like, I, I guess, came loose. Yeah. And so I tried to YouTube it and figure it out. And it was basically every video I saw was like, just get under there and just like push the cords, you know, just kind of wiggle, you know, didn't work. So I was like, and I hate going to the dealership. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go and just let them fix it. Yeah. I, at this point, I didn't know if it was a computer issue with the car. Yeah. If there's something like they got to do. So I go drop it off. I go find a coffee shop. I'm doing work. They send me a text like, hey, your car's ready. Like, click this link to get your invoice, whatever. And then on the invoice, they have encouraged me to get these other things serviced. <laughs> Which, dude, I mean, just everything under the sun that you can do to a car, they're wanting to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can either click yes to add to the subtotal or you can say no thanks. Yeah. I mean, one of them was like brake flush. It's like, okay, asshole. Like I just got new brakes and brake pads. I don't need a flush. <laughs> Let's get the air out of those lines. Like literally got them last, last month. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, they just try to uh, upsell you on everything. The, the, best, the best thing to do with that when they give that to you is to say, you know, thank you, you know, for your concern. And then if you truly think something's wrong, go to, especially if the car's, if the car's out of warranty, find yourself a good mechanic and take it to the dealership and get them to like print that off for you. Cause I'll do that for free. A lot of the times now, then take it to your mechanic and say, Hey, they threw this at me. I trust you. Can you give me a look up? And then he'll say, hey, you know, these two things. Yes. The rest of them. No. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the guy that you bring that to. Yeah. I mean, or gal or gal guy or gal. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm all about supporting local businesses. But, like, yeah, with car stuff, like, go to a mom and pop. Like, yeah, they're not going to bullshit. They're going to shoot you straight. Like, it's almost like a restaurant. Like, they're trying to turn tables over. Like, yeah. they're trying to get you in and out. And, they're and yeah, they're not going to beat around the bush and try to, you know, charge you an extra three grand. No. I had a, I had a phenomenal guy in – Virginia for the BMW that because it was, you know, we're really street parking or that couldn't really do too much work on it. And he would literally tell me, he's like, Hey, he's like, you know, the, the, the dealership will do a free inspection for you. So if you feel like anything's like kind of off, take it to them, see what they say. He goes, but just bring your car back to me. Like, God, you know, just bring it to me, man. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, luckily I, you know, I guess by law, they can't do it without consulting with you first. But yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah. just no thanks. No thanks. Well, they used to, no thanks. So I remember, I don't know if they still do it, but on like the drop-off forms, if you drop off after hours and you know, put your keys in the box and everything, mm. they used to have a thing on there that was like, how much money are you comfortable like spending without us calling you? And it's like, first off, I'm not writing down a number here, man. Like, yeah, no, because I know whatever that number is, that's my total, you know? So I would write like yeah. $49 or something, you know, like what the <laughs> price of the oil change was going to be or something. And that way they had to call you with like anything else. I'm like, good Lord. What a, what a horrible thing to put on there. Yeah. Just, uh, but yeah, go to a mom and pop or, uh, you know, consult, consult your friend like Joe and he can do it. Yeah. And you just, you know, give them some beer. Yeah, I was about to say, just bring me a six pack of Bush Light. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, all right. That's going to do it. Episode 12. Our, our dear buddy York is, um, he never joined. Uh, you know, you, you only go to Augusta once and, and he did it right. Uh, so chasing he, them ghosts right now, man. <laughs> he's fighting the good fight. Uh, that was, that I, was a 40, that was a 40,000 yard stare. Is what that stare was. That was a. <laughs> that was. Yeah, I assume he'll be back on Thursday. Regularly scheduled programming. Um, if he's still incapacitated by then, we might need to send him to like a an urgent care or something. He needs. Uh, what did y'all do when I when I got to Scottsdale? Y'all were all getting the IVs. We need to hook him up with one of the IVs tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we need to. Yeah, send him a. Uh, Send him a care package to uh, get some <laughs> fluids. But um, 
yeah, we'll be back on uh, on Thursday. So uh, everybody, you know, toss one up to uh, to old York as he's uh, recovering. He's but, a piece. Uh, <laughs> but thanks to uh, thanks to Joe for recapping the weekend and uh, everything else that we had on the docket. And uh, yeah, until Thursday, this has been the Rad Dad Pod. We'll be back then. So y'all be good. Oh, yeah.